also don't care about feminism. Your favorite show is Entourage. To be honest, when I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest anyway. I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you wonder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It is episode 333, so you know that number is lucky. It's your host, if you want to in the booth with me, all my friends, so let me introduce you to them. First up, we have the Christmas Zaddy himself, amazing, uh, amazing film critic, uh, often surrounded by books. Alonzo Duralde, what's good? If it sounded like you were almost going for an Urkel for a moment there, and then you thought twice yeah, about I it, do that. Walked it, walked it back. It's yeah. Perfectly acceptable. I think we're all allowed to make that choice in this world. Um, so I I got a nice uh, stack of books for my husband for Christmas, which is the thing we do at the holidays. And I have not yet begun to uh, scale the mountain that is my name is Barbara. But, you know, it's it's there. It's my Kilimanjaro. It is there and I'm going to get to it. Uh, but in the meantime, I did read another book that he gave me that was a real for me a riot. Uh, volume one of an ongoing series called The Canon Film Guide. Uh, that's not canon with C-A-N-O-N. That's C-A-N-N-O-N, which you may or may not know as the oddball, low-budget studio run by a couple of Israeli cousins in the 80s in Hollywood who gave us everything from um, ninja movies and the resurgence of Charles Bronson to like films by John Cassavetes and Jean-Luc Godard and uh, Robert Altman. Uh, they, they, they spanned the globe and they were too weird to last and it was really, by the early 90s, it was all collapsed. But while canon was a thing in the 80s, it was nuts. And uh, author Austin Trunick has gone through and gone film by film of every movie that canon released in the United States during their heyday from, you know, uh, uh, the two break-in movies to John Cassavetes' love streams to movies that I never even heard of to like you know their softcore adaptation of Lady Chatterley's Lover with Sylvia Christel it's all here and uh, and I I, I I tore through this book I was it was so dishy and fun and behind the scenes and and a, a, a fun exploration of what Canon meant when Canon was Canon and I can't wait to get to the the subsequent volumes because we're only up to 84 and I'm already just like turning every page. This is exactly the gift I would assume and hope that Dave got you. So I'm thrilled to hear that I'm right and that you are loving it as much as I would also envision in that scenario. Thank you much. You get it. Yeah. You get it. I get it. I Oh, Canon? You mean the 2B of the 80s? Yes. <laughs> yes, Alonzo. Exactly. I know it speaks to you. Oh, yes. Well, you know, you know who speaks to me? Well, it's the queen of the Midwest. Uh, I'm officially a knight. It is Super Festival programmer, producer, Treya Clark. What's good? First off, I can't believe this is the number of our episode and you didn't go Irish with it because there's nothing more fun to say than Trey Tarty Trey. <laughs> Even if you say it terribly like I do, all, all of my yeah, yeah, accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as opposed to yours, my spot on accent. Yes, You're that's right. right. I, we yeah, don't yeah. all have the pitch perfect uh, yeah. accuracy pool. of oh. iffy. Tree, turty tree. Um, my, I want you to know, you guys, I embrace gratitude. It is something I adore and love. I'm very, I very much love that we always open the show with what's good. And I also keep a running list of writing down. If something happens or I stumble across something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to share that for a what's good. And I'm going to verbatim share what I wrote down today because I, I was like, oh, you, 
you dork. It seems like the kind of thing you wrote when you wake up from a dream and you're like, I'm going to want to remember that. And then you go back and you're like, what is that? (laughs) I wrote down too intentionally. I I thought I was like, this is significant enough. I should share it. I wrote down I was having a problem with my iPhone in that one single friend who also has an iPhone texted me and his text came up on my phone, but not in my messages on my laptop. So I turned on and off my phone and it worked. Wow. And I was like, that is good. It's not the just an IT crowd did not lie. You turn it off and turn it back on again. Yeah. And I genuinely was so enthused by that. I That happened several days ago. I was like, don't forget this, girl. People are yeah. going to want to know. I you, So welcome. Welcome yeah, yeah, sometimes to my brain. All your computer needs is a little nappy. So, so stupid. (laughs) But you know what? It did delight me. And I'm happy and proud to share it here in episode (laughs) Tree Tarty Tree. (laughs) Tree Tarty Tree. (laughs) On this day in Tree Tarty Tree. All right. Look. We're, we oftentimes have wonderful guests who are amazing, iconic, prolific, you know, great Adorable. backgrounds. <laughs> yes. Uh, as they say, very easy on the eyes. Uh, it is none other than journalist, author, critic, and podcast host extraordinaire, Trayvell Anderson. What's good? Hello, hello. I hello. First off, thanks so much for having me back, okay? Love to be here and sound smart around movies with at least two of you. I'll let you all figure out which two. You took Fanti away, but we love you anyway, Travel. You know, it is what it is. What's good for me, the thing that really has been bringing me a lot of joy lately is ice cream. Particularly the create your own variety at a one cold stone creamery perhaps this is not an ad etc etc um but i am someone who happens to love a good mix of cake batter ice cream and french vanilla and then a Mm. whole lot of rainbow sprinkles oreos and reese's cups i know it's giving diabetic coma but (laughs) You just got to, you know, eat everything in moderation, they say. Keep talking. Especially at a place that serves things at a size called gotta have it. I mean, but (laughs) Nothing says moderation, like gotta have it. (laughs) Look, if you're going to offer those kind of mix-ins, you need to be ready for people to ask for those kinds of mix-ins. Yes. I mean, that. by the way, that blend, I would would show that thing what's up. Yeah. (laughs) Solid. Iffy. Iffy, what's good? Yeah, what's good with you, kitten? Oh, you know, I'm going to keep it very simple. Uh, you know, still uh, living our Stuart, Stuiffy, Stiffy core, uh, which is the, oh, obviously God. the bonding of Stuart Wellington and one Iffy Wadi way. Are you so mad it, that we didn't make that up? I know. You were yeah, like, why do I got to lead these horses to water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That portmanteau <laughs> was just sitting there and yeah, just yeah, walked yeah. away. How many times can one man mention Stuart Wellington and Iffy and not? Before you say Stiffy yeah. core. Uh, sure. But yeah, I was up in the mountain with... Uh, you know, friend of the pod, uh, Jeremy Lambert, and we painted some Warhammer figs, had a fight. Uh, you know, it felt like it, 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 if we talk a figure about fights. Inter- yeah, yeah, figure fights. We we had oh. our little, I had my astral Templars. He had his You dwarves. picture it your way, I'll picture it my way. <laughs> yeah. There were 20 sided <laughs> dice were involved. Uh, well, no, actually, in Warhammer, you use no. a bunch of six sided dice. No, wow. apologies. Uh, so, yeah, I'm you know, it's, it's all slowly. good. Look, it's, it's all good. But, you know, we had a lot of battle. 
We were up till five painting these tiny figurines. We woke up at 10, was messing with the cat, uh, Sailor, who looks like a Disney cat. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then, then I played a bunch and then came home. Yeah, it's good. I, I do love that for you. Yeah, yeah. One day we'll, we'll get you all painting. Yeah, oh. I, I imagine you spending your free time many ways, but that is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I lift heavy stuff. Sometimes I lift little tiny things. What can't he lift, you guys? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the mood Everyone of a room. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are looking at the color purple, and later we'll consider what might be next in the purple verse. But first, it's time for Itadick, our movie news segment where we answer the question, is this important and do we care? By going through the week's movie news. Dre, why don't you start? All right. So, the 29th Annual Critics' Choice Awards were held this past weekend for the second year in a row. They were hosted by Chelsea Handler. Handler had fun with the gig, even going rogue and inviting Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie on stage to make an unplanned acceptance speech. The timing was delicious. Handler was able to throw some shade at ex-boyfriend Joe Coy, whose Golden Globes monologue went over like a lead balloon last week. After one punchline, Handler quipped... Thank you for laughing at that. My writers wrote it. Is this important? Do you care? Okay, I did not know they were exes. I knew he used to be on her, like, comedian roundtable. They had a very serious relationship in the last couple years. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Her whole special was about it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a whole thing. But, yeah, no, it's... Look, I love shade. I love being able to throw shade. Uh... Uh, and it's and it's great. And also, the shade was good because it celebrated the writers, you know, instead of throwing them under the mm. bus. <laughs> yeah, which is important. Okay, always. Yeah, I think it was such. This was like on the heels, you know, a few days after the Golden Globes. You saw John Mulaney host the Governor's Ball, and then Chelsea Handler again. This is a space where we appreciate. How thankless that gig is. Mm. Uh, most mm-hmm. of the people in the audience do not care about laughter. Definitely don't care in that moment. Like, it is not an easy crowd. And yet, watching the people who can pull it off um, and, and what that means, like what delivery means, it's, it's just, I enjoy watching people succeed. Good for you, Chelsea Handler. So sorry to your ex. <laughs> it, does, it does underscore how in comedy it's all about timing. Oh yeah. my gosh! It was really hard. It was really hard. Yes, yes. If he was in physical pain, letting <laughs> yes. you play that one out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Marissa oh. might edit it out. Let's make know. sure. Actually, actually, Marissa's going to extend it. It's going to we're going to cut down intros and let it go very long. Uh, well, you know. Uh, We're going to keep talking about movies because last Sunday, the surprise hit Broadway musical Shucked had its final performance, but it may not be the last bow for the show. During the curtain call, the show's producer announced to the audience that a movie version is in development. Jason Michael Berman, president of Mandalay and co-producer of the movie Air, will be a producer. A country rock comedy, Shucked, was nominated for eight Tony Awards and tells the story of a girl who leaves her secluded community of Cobb County on a quest to save their dying corn crop. Is this important? Do you care? Uh, I'm a bad gay and I don't keep up with Broadway. Does anybody know this show? Like, I have never it's heard the one of with it corn, before. Right? <laughs> it's yeah. it is a corn one. Nailed it. They Alex were at the Noah. Yeah. Oh, I'm is that you know? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm gonna tell you how lost 
I was, I thought it was about oysters. So, girl, I want to say there was a shucked number at the Thanksgiving parade this year, but I couldn't say for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked that you can't recite back every single thing that was at the Thanksgiving parade. Like, what are you doing with your time that part of the year? Um, oh. I do. I, I, I have a similar guilt in. I was like, oh, nominated for eight Tony Awards and I've never heard of it. But there is such a it's a great example of that wide divide between different art forms. Right. Like mm-hmm. I have absolute appreciation for Broadway and there's things that come through there and and so I know but the, by the time they make it to me it's basically like oh yeah there's a ripped off version of this in Forever 21 like I get it at that <laughs> stage yeah. of things um, so for this but I do want you to know that all I can picture for any musical from here on is where are you going to integrate the sewer boys from Dick? <laughs> so does, need more sewer boys. can the sewer boys pop <laughs> up in this cornfield? Is Everybody's that a possible crossover? <laughs> Everyone minus me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> speaking of musicals and the things that people, whether or not they knew they were musicals, uh, Paramount Marketing Executive does not want to call the new Mean Girls movie a musical. Uh, mean Girls premiered this past weekend, doing quite well at the box office. And if you ask Paramount's president of global marketing, Mark Weinstock, its sneaky ad campaign helped boost those numbers. In an interview with Variety, Weinstock addressed the fact that the trailers for the new Mean Girls featured virtually no evidence that the film was itself an adaptation of a Broadway musical. We didn't want to run out and say it's a musical because people tend to treat musicals differently, said Weinstock. This movie is a broad comedy with music. Yes, it could be considered a musical, but it appeals to a larger audience. Uh, is this important? Do you care? He's not wrong. And yeah. he did also rightfully mention how Wonka and even the color purple did the same thing. Mm-hmm. The fact, can we just get down? Why in the hell is someone interviewing the president of global marketing? This Get out of my life. This what, is, what is happening with this world? We could hear a million different angles about something. Me hearing from an ad exec or a marketing exec stab me in the face. I, I, my guess for this is this is a uh, like spillover effect from the strike when they couldn't talk to the artists. Because mm. you're right, because I was reading an article about Barbie and Marvel's exec was talking about it and like just bloviating and making it seem like he just had like so much to do. I was like, get out. You, you like read emails and like, like truly I've never seen someone insert themselves more into something that is nothing to do with you. And like very much being like, this is, this was the, we are selling toys. And it's like, what? Uh, <laughs> well, okay. But here's, here's my question. Like whether or not mm. this should be the guy we're talking to. Do audiences really not like musicals and we have to fool them into going to see them? Because I don't think that's true. Like, with the exception of, like, okay, Cats and Dear Evan Hansen, yes, sure. But I think that a lot of, you know, La La Land, it seems like that musicals are not, like, anathema to people. And and I don't know why we have to be, it has to be this guilty secret that we're, like, downloading into theaters. But La La Land, you, you know. Yeah, La La Land and even Barbie were similar and they were actually what he's saying and I, I don't think Mean Girls is the same, but he's saying it's a film with music, which is an easier, mm. like, that is more the pitch of what La La Land would. I, I I know it starts with a huge, like, dance number on the freeway, and I still would, I wouldn't describe it as a musical. I do believe that 
that they're right in that a lot of people hear the term musical like the same people who are like oh i don't like to watch international films because i don't like to read subtitles but i also think part of that is train your audiences like if you are continuing to perpetuate like oh musicals are for like earnest dorks or whatever like my people i guess like then those are the people that are gonna be like oh well i don't want to be seen at that in the theater or oh i'm gonna be dragged reluctantly by my female partner like come on, just sell the movie and say what it is. I, I agree with you, Alonzo, in I, I'm suspect that p- many people actually care that much, but I do think there's a feeding into, like, the self-fulfilling prophecy nature I mean, of it. I mean, I know, like, West Side Story disappointed. That certainly, I'm sure, factors into it at some point. But, like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't think that people hate the genre I mean like Les Mis was a hit you know like yeah. uh, I, I think that you can release these and they don't necessarily have to be like you know I'm sure when Wicked comes out they're not gonna hide well, that that's a musical I, right so <laughs> I'm like right in between y'all I think that when it is a musical that was like a successful Broadway thing yeah. I think it does well in the idea of oh I can go see this and I because I could make mm-hmm. it to Broadway but I think when it is like a conventional like musical movie where it's like we're it's this I think it people are like well I don't like musicals and it's like d- but technically Mean Girls yeah. was a successful Broadway and, and the color purple for that matter. yeah and the color you know but I would I think specifically for Mean Girls, I think there are more fans of the original movie, and it definitely, if you look at all the stuff leading up to it, they're leaning on that nostalgia play than the Broadway play. As far as Color Purple, yeah, the same thing. I think they're leaning more on the previous. I agree. I think you can do it because I, my sister, when she went to go see the Color Purple, was like, I didn't know it was a musical. She was like mad about it. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, that's the risk you take. Like, if it's a good movie, great. But I think if you don't advertise it as a musical, and it is a good movie if it is like a you know uh just for this example being used a west side story pete you're gonna have a worse reaction because you're gonna have people hopping on twitter being like oh it's a it's, 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 yeah. it's not great no one told me yeah there were a ton of videos <laughs> on tiktok of people in audiences that were just laughing when it mean girls when they started singing because they didn't know it was a musical yeah. and then they were like what is happening <laughs> and that i would i would i would shush them all I would shush them all <laughs> with such indignance and all of the shame I could muster. This is why Drea takes an air horn to the movie with her. Yes. <laughs> Young lady. As you should. Yeah. No, that is such a lie. You know that I'm the queen of, um, hi, excuse me, could you just speak? But I will say that 15 times. I'll keep saying you it. You will Midwestern nice them to the, yeah. into the ground. I'm so sorry. Are you going to talk through the whole first the act? The entire or time? Are you going to stop, like, <laughs> yeah. maybe midway through? Oh, yeah. Someone someone got me good with that, and I couldn't even imagine, because it was when um I came to intro get out at, at Vidiot's and me and Maggie were in the back and it was a trailer for the original trailer for um, Friday the 13th and she was like oh I love this trailer and like we're like whisper talking in the back because we were like gonna watch the trailer and leave and this lady turns around and goes so are y'all gonna be back there the whole Screaming. movie and yeah. I was I, I started cause you know I was, cause there was part of me being like yes. talk to, but there's part of me being like ah no I'm in the back of the <laughs> I am talking. And you're the host. Oh, yeah. What am I? Yeah, I know. Literally, the guy who's like, enjoy the movie. So anyway, we're talking right behind. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of marketing execs, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, listen to these uh, uh, messages, and we'll come back and talk about the color purple. 
most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Maximum Film. It's your host, Sifi Wadiway, and the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Trayvall Anderson. Alonzo Duralde. So, some people may call today's movie a period drama featuring music. Others would say it's a film adaptation of a Broadway musical adaptation of a film adaptation of a novel by Alice Walker. It was directed by Blitz Bazaule and stars a huge cast led by Fantasia, Taraji P. Henson, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, and Danielle Brooks. So, Alonzo, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of The Color Purple? I feel like this is synopsizing The Wizard of Oz at this point. (laughs) How do you not know this story? But yes, it is about uh, Celie, a a young woman who uh, grows up in an abusive household, is married off to an abusive man, but uh, guiding her through her life is the love and strength of other women. First, her sister, uh, later her friend, Sophia, and later uh, Shug Avery, a blues singer that her husband is in love with, but who actually um, introduces Celie to the concept of love and passion and sex. And uh, thanks to this uh, bond of sisterhood, uh, Celie and the other women are able to transcend the limitations placed on them by the horrible men in their lives and um, come to a fruition and live their life to a, a renewed fullness that society does not want to give them the color purple. Alonzo, yeah, that was so wonderful. good. <laughs> yeah, you nailed that. Oh, that tree, nice. turkey, uh, tree. That was tree, so turkey, good. Tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to kick this off with a very important question. Was this a film that people were looking forward to? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I had seen the the touring company of the second version of the Broadway show with Ms. Barino in it. Uh, my husband is up there with Travel as far as being a super fan. Um, and it was great. And, I, you know, I had loved the book. I loved the Spielberg movie. And uh, I thought that the stage show did a really you know it's tricky to just suddenly there's songs now you know and and i thought that it integrated it all really well and i think the movie takes it all to a whole other level in terms of the way that it uh it makes this organic kind of choreography spring out of very you know non-choreographed moments you know you it is so hard to have like a chain gang be choreographed and not look like a bunch of chorus boys with hammers you know and the oh, movie yeah. doesn't do that it really it it, it mixes like the, the 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 real life grit with this sort of elevated you know musical fantasy level to it um and yeah i, I just i think the story itself is so powerful and and endures and these characters are so just they're all the 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 characters of the color purple are as rooted i think now in the popular imagination as like you know characters from great expectations like they you you when people talk about you know uh uh, seeley or 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 sophia or harpo or mister you know like you know who they are you know what they're about and and you get that in this movie yeah this was one of the ones that 
falls under that subcategory of, oh, this is an awardsy film. So it's kind of got that, like, eat your vegetables. Like, oh, uh, if you want to be up on... Po- but also, oh, I'm excited to see what they've done with that. Please, please, please be good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I I was looking forward to it. And I had not seen, I've not heard any of the music from it. I had not, I did not see the stage version. Um, I had, of course, seen the movie and, you know, White Bear Lake Area High School. Absolutely. I studied the color purple in a class with no black students in it. So, you know, just the, the rich, deep the rich. conversations. Oh, you guys, don't worry. My school, my class did have like six African American students out of 650 people. Um, not to brag, super diverse. But so I remember reading it then, and, and it's very interesting as I've aged since then and, and, and grown in the world. But watching both what my own maturity and knowledge would bring, and then also what the music was sort of unlocking in themes and connections that the, the you know, the book is very rich and very uh, personal. But this was a, a musical where it wasn't just the music existing in, in lieu of dialogue, but the music existing to like, oh, this is my diary entry of this character at this exact mm. moment. Like, oh, I'm in their gut and their soul. So that was exciting. And I wasn't, I had, I, you know, you never know. You never know with the musical. Although this one probably won a ton of Tonys that I don't know about either. Congrats to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, this is a classic certified classic. I remember reading the book in high school for um, a class. Did I finish it? I don't know. I still diagnosed with ADHD. I think it would oh. take uh, high school 26. It's going to be about uh, 18 years till I actually get diagnosed because my dad told me I didn't have it. So, you know, he's right. Why would he lie to me? Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, the color po- purple, the movie, its references, like it is like a, a just a black staple you know like like just like plastic on grandma's couch like you Amen. it is it is like so integral to the culture that like it did not surprise me the discourse that exploded out of it i mean it's very funny the discourse that exploded about out of it well, like if we want to talk about you know the queer discourse which you know the Lord. movie uh it, it didn't create something that wasn't there just I think didn't hide it as much as the original movie did and I think that scared people because everyone's like you should have read the book and I was like pause <laughs> you're assuming that everyone read the book you like, like everyone knows Whoopi Goldberg I don't know if everyone knows Alice Walker they should but you know a lot of these people popped in the VHS popped in so like, like that's what they're going off of does it excuse their Boosie being a dumbass no uh, I'm tired of his ass I've been tired of his ass for a minute uh, but you know <laughs> Things that are flying over Drea and Alonzo's head uh, right now, but me and me and Travel, we, we're we're talking. <laughs> but I, you know, it is funny because it when you think of the color purple as a musical, say, you know, the color purple in my head. If you would ask, you know, young Ify, what is the color purple? It's like it's a sad movie, mm-hmm. you know. So when you think of a mm. musical about a sad movie, you're like, how is this going to be? Mm. Of musical, but they pull it off. It's great, and I mean, of course, when you put Fantasia and let Fantasia do what Fantasia mm-hmm. does, well, what what more do you want? And since I brought up Fantasia, I think I got to pass the mic. 
Well, you know, Trayvon. I just been waiting. You know, this is the reason why I'm here. We let's let's call a spade a spade. We know what this is, right? Um, so I was very excited for this. I am Fantasia's uh, number two fan. I just say number two instead of number one because I don't want the responsibility of number one. You know what I mean? Um, and so I was super excited. I did get the chance to see. Not Fantasia and Broadway in this show, but like a regional production of this show um, in which Frenchie, I don't know if y'all remember Frenchie oh, yeah, from, yeah, from American early Idol. American Idol oh, days. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. played uh, hey, Sophia, yeah, yeah in, in this regional production that I saw um, a couple years ago. So I was excited to see the you know film adaptation of the musical now that being said you know i got some thoughts okay um and i will just start by saying you know if you if you haven't seen the musical version i think that's you know, it allows you to go into the film not having any sort of expectations. But if you've seen the stage version, there are some changes from the yep. stage version to the movie mm. version that I question, personally Ooh, speaking. Okay. You know, because the stage version is so good. It it was nominated for so many Tonys. It didn't win, but because the year that it was nominated, it was up against Hamilton, right? So oh, yeah. We all know how that happened, what happened there. <laughs> um, but, and so it, it was, you know, super successful. All of these people have were part of the stage version. And it is good as it is. And I just felt, you know, I wanted a little bit more from the movie musical. Just a little something. But you mentioned the choreography. Shout out to Fatima. Mm. Fabulous. Wonderful. Like, you know, amazing. Fatima has been perfection at what she does for decades for like, decades i literally. came up through music video in literally like the early 20 years ago like and she was already height of it like i was already exciting when i could get mm -hmm, her to things mm -hmm. like no so talented and it also because this is an adaptation of an adaptation it's a palimpsest right so yeah. looking at this <laughs> the the literal like location world building of it is phenomenal like yeah. it looks stunning i was like Absolutely. oh is that what the south looks like i gotta plan a trip like oh i've that, never seen so many pretty trees in my life say, that daughters of the dust tree on the beach oh my god oh, yes. get out of here yes. like there's there's some really beautifully chosen and and where they build like harpo's house like juke juke joy mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there's so many things Bar by the way the m the most lasting cultural impression that i have of this movie is a friend of mine who regularly quoted harpo who dis woman at me and all of our friends like every single time she would come into a like that was like the if there's someone new so when they when when her said that line i was like oh my god harpo who dis woman i was i almost cried <laughs> but i think that there's also something in the in the musicality of this and like I said, that idea of what the music is telling you about the mm -hmm. inner workings is really important because one of my, not critiques, but one of the sort of things I really wanted to get into was in Seeley's journey, a lesson that you're getting that's an important and significant one, but it's from Alice Walker's text, is the idea that you see this woman who is 
born and raised in an abusive relationship. She's handed off to another one. And then at one point, she, especially explicitly in this version of it, is like complimented on like, oh, look at you. You just last through it. She's like, I guess women, some women are made differently. It's almost like, oh, you're, you're forthright and you take it like good. You're the ideal woman because you and then and then you're getting instead this sort of self uh, growth and sense of identity and sense of both agency and confidence and all these things that you're getting out of her. And you're getting that from the songs. And it wasn't until this version of it that I was more appreciative of Celie's journey in that way. Instead of, it can be very hard mm. to watch um, abused characters who you're like, oh, please just stand up for yourself. I say that knowing all of the entanglements that, that go with that. But in this, when you also are like, oh, her steadiness and consistency, that's also what literally pulled her sparky friend Sophia out of it, right? It's like, it's a narrative beat of she's the one who came every week. She visited her like the same um, mm -hmm. she can handle it. She is unwavering and that it can actually be a strength in certain ways. And I felt like the songs were giving me insight to Celie that added a lot of like depth that I was very grateful for. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's talk about Danielle Brooks. Because oh my oh, God, I love her. I changed all my previous crap. votes of who I would like to play me in a movie. Danielle Brooks now. <laughs> that's it forever. Like I remember Aspirational. We, we, we talked about like how Ariana DeBose had the challenge of playing the Rita Moreno character in West Side Story in front of Rita Moreno. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. you have Danielle Brooks playing the Oprah Winfrey character in The Color Purple in front of executive producer Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. And so just that hurdle aside, she is... Just, I, you know, I, I'd seen her in some things and I always liked her. You know, I liked her in, on a Peacemaker and stuff. But it was like, I, just such a presence. She has that movie star thing where the camera is just enraptured and you are enraptured. And she rides the wave of this character to like the, her, her strength and her vulnerability and her power and her, you know, helplessness at times. Uh, all of that stuff is in there. And it's just... You know, uh, look. Th this is a this is a, a hell of an ensemble from 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 top to bottom. I mean, you've got Halle Bailey, you've got uh, 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 you know uh, Traji P Henson, you've got Fantasia, you know the great Coleman Domingo, like so many people in this movie. Corey but, Hawkins, uh, Corey so Hawkins, good. yeah, H E R, and you know, uh, I, I thought that the uh, the the um, Phyllis Perlman Posse, who plays young Seely, like mm -hmm. that baton pass off to Fantasia is seamless. But holy crap, Danielle Brooks. I left the theater humming Danielle Brooks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, she's the she's the highlight, you know, like even, you know, I'm standing mm. for Fantasia. Absolutely. I would love to see her get that Oscar nomination because mm. why not? Okay, sure, Oscar yeah. nominee totally. Fantasia Barino Taylor sounds wonderful <laughs> to me. Ooh, yeah. However, Danielle Brooks is like the performance that you come away from in that film and you're like, wow. Especially considering, I think, the the task right at hand with that particular character. Ooh, yeah. And Alonzo, you were absolutely right because it's both, she's so vibrant and dynamic, mm -hmm. right? You meet her and you're like, bold over, this is not the woman we've seen in any other female archetypes that have been on screen so far. She's a whole new thing and yet, not just narratively do we see and, and literally do we see her beaten down, but 
her how she gets there like her temper her impulses mm-hmm. all of her own flaws it's not just oh i'm vibrant and confident and so i'm untouchable it's oh these things do not always lead to a good end for me either and and watching like she had like two scenes to like emotionally come back from like the absolute depths like you see her a completely broken spirit and then in one scene like at a dinner table like and you believed it you're like yes i believe where this laughter is coming from right now and that you are now like refreshed Mm -hmm. with it so good and and, you know to to go what if you were saying before about you know yeah the the queer elements definitely were soft peddled by steven spielberg because it was 1985 you know and mm-hmm. like uh, i know it's hard to it, it's easy to sort of look back on that and judge it and, and i don't excuse it but i was i was there in 1985 and i know how audiences were and and yeah, yeah. you can tell when people when that's their only in on this material because like when we went to see the touring uh show and that kid, the kiss happens between uh, Celia mm-hmm. and, and uh, Shug. A lady behind me was quite uh, uh, not crazy <laughs> about it, and I was like, "Have you not read the book?" And I thought, "Well, no, I guess they, maybe you have." The answer you know? is yeah, no. Not, yeah. Yeah. no. Have you yeah, heard yeah. of Alex Walker or her life? Yeah, no. yeah, not at all. But I, I, I did like how this, you know, in addition to, to fleshing out that uh, a plot aspect and really kind of equating the idea of really like Celie's first orgasm and, and it's the importance that that has in, in her growth as a person. Um, I, I also like that they filled in other things that the other movie kind of skates by, like giving that arc of uh, Mr you know, suffering in Celie's absence and and having her curse, whether you want to take it literally or figuratively, kind of come to fruition. Like, I'm glad we got to spend some time in that before he, you know, like is redeemed and and, and tries to fix the situation. You know, like there, there were just other little plot beats. I was like, okay, we're going to, we get to, we get to take a step through here, whereas Spielberg might have da- had to dash past it for other narrative reasons. So I, I think that, this is. I looked it up. This is the first remake of a Spielberg movie. There wow. have been sequels, but Twist. nobody's ever remade one before. Um, and so I like that it, it finds its own places along the way to be its own take on the material. Well, one yeah. of those, and I'm wondering if it was, especially if, if he and Trevel are a little more knowledgeable about this, what stood out to me and felt newer was really, I thought a lot of concerted effort was put into the generational trauma of the men of you have the grandfather and then mister and then um harpo and what abuse looked like through them and like how it's learned and how it could be unlearned and i did not and i again full disclosure i've not read or seen the original for years and years but were were any of those standing out to you guys yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I've heard um, Blitz talk about, you know, being intentional, as well as Coleman, who I've interviewed a, a couple times throughout this season. Um, and they talk about, you know, wanting to... So one of the big controversies with the with the first movie, the Spielberg movie, was like the NAACP protested it because, you know, they thought that its depiction of Mr. was like painting black men in like a negative light. And so Blitz and Coleman talk about wanting to sort of kind of maybe correct the record or a bit further build out complexity 
right, with this type of character so that, you know, Mr. in particular is not just the abuser, but he is also in, in a lot of ways a victim, you know, himself, right, having learned a lot of this behavior. Um, and so I think that was, you know, they wanted to be intentional about that. I enjoyed seeing, you know, those particular elements. I did want to say on the whole queer element, I do think in 2023, the year of our Lord and Savior, Beyonce, Christ, that we can be a little bit more, you know, open and direct about, you know, the queerness that is in the source material. Yeah. Um, and I just think that there is a, while yes, this movie does go further than Spielberg's movie, I feel like what we get in this movie <laughs> and what they're trying to pass off as, you know, their treatment of of Celie's sexuality, um, or at least perceived sexuality, is like I think they're playing in our face. You you want me to believe that her singing this song in a and dancing around a turntable with Suge Avery in a tub is queerness? Maybe it is, and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, I just, yeah, you know, I'm just saying like and then and then we have the the sudden, you know, wake up in bed moment that they have that, you know, doesn't have the same payoff like it. You, I don't know. I just I think they played in our face on that aspect. And also, yes, it goes further than the original movie. I'll give them this. I would say I would argue that the what we see between Celie and Shug goes about as far as we would see a heterosexual coupling go in a musical like this. Sure, I could go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's no. I don't think there's any kissing in this movie, right? Like, there's not. I mean, in terms of the hetero couples. Yeah, mm. I don't think. Mm. I like. Let's all take a moment and cast our <laughs> What kind of kissing did you see? If you listen, yeah. go ahead and see. <laughs> we'll have the Facebook poll ready to go. And, and actually, to, to to go back to the moments that this movie gives us that that we didn't get from Spielberg, I think we also get more time in Africa with Nettie uh, and and oh, Celie's yeah. kids that we didn't really get on before. Although be that was my other like, is this an Alice note that I'm like, huh? If I'm hearing this correctly. Your sister knew that those were your children before you departed to foreign shores. And she was like, it's going to be fine. I'm sure we'll get back. And also, I will laugh forever that one of the <laughs> best, easiest and correct jokes you can make on white people is referring to Africa like it's a country and not a continent. And this movie is exclusively <laughs> like, oh, dear, dear Celie, I'm in Africa. <laughs> Send this to me. Care of Africa. It was yeah. too good. Oh, amazing. Well, it's time for us to vote the way we vote for things oh, on yeah. this pod. Mm. Screen it being the highest. Stream it being the next level. And skip it being self-explanatory. So who wants to start? I'll start. Stream it. Okay? Stream mm. it. You, you know... By this point, you you haven't paid... You haven't put money into the theater. You ain't going. So just stream it. It's cute. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm going to say screen it because I live in hope. Um, I, I know this movie <laughs> is not generating the the kind of uh, box office they were hoping, and I, I would love to think that there's a post-nomination surge waiting for it. And I think that uh, there is enough to look at and listen to here that really would enhance a big screen experience. So Agreed. if if you can, um, you know, vote with your dollars and also take in the glory of a big screen musical because uh, apparently we're not going to get them unless they tell us that it's not one. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm a screen it. Part one, go just to see Sierra dressed up uh, in Nancy Pelosi's clothes. Wow. And two, <laughs> because, and if he alluded to this, I do think the worry is like, ooh, it's going to be really dour and sad mm. and bummer this was a great view i yes. very much enjoyed watching this like i can have sort again a lot of my story did picks uh please sorry to uh alice walker but they're um overall i was so swept up in it loved watching it mm-hmm. loved watching the choreography the wardrobe design is exquisite and mm. tells you what year it is in such beautiful subtle ways like there's a lot of fun here there is also if what might sound appealing to you i didn't know was my thing before but certainly is if you were like i'd like to see a handful of very attractive men wearing suspenders building something while singing does this movie My have the scene, scene for you? <laughs> My I favorite scene. Drop me into that location. I want to live in that swamp surrounded by those workers and the women that come in and push them aside. Yeah. Very, very yes. much enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I am also a screen it. Uh, see it on the big screen. Live it. Live it large. But, you know, I think that is an evergreen comment for every movie. It could be gayer. Uh, you know, uh, let's, let's, you know, that, let's. No that's argument it. That's, Yeah, yeah. That'll be. You can quote Max Film on that. <laughs> could be gayer. So are, we, are we doing pins or shirts or something? That could be look, look. <laughs> I, that's what the first thing that came in mind. Please. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a break, but we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it, but you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us, and I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature, and generally nicer to Dan. But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Whiteyway. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Trayvall Anderson. Drea Clark. All right, and as we reference earlier, the road to this latest iteration of The Color Purple has been a long one. Alice Walker's novel came out over 40 years ago, was first adapted into a feature film in 1985, became a Broadway musical 20 years later before becoming the movie musical we discuss today. Given entertainment's unwillingness to let a good story go, what do you think the next iteration of The Color Purple could be? I mean, I'm gonna go right out and say yes, it. Yes, yes. It's gonna, it's, it's, we're gonna get the, 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 like, 
Netflix or Max miniseries, uh, where, oh, but no. it's going to go into each character. Like you'll see, like it'll be episode mm. one, Mister. Episode two, and then the <laughs> final episode is going to be Seely. <laughs> the final one. Um, I like. I see that, except for I see them doing a spinoff of that, and it's just called The Color Purple Africa. And then we're just following <laughs> Nettie across my favorite country, Africa. Um, and as, because like the small things that she's sending in her dispatches of like, oh no, there's been an uprising. Actually, I. And I did really like how they handled that in the correspondence part of the movie. But uh, the idea of them doing like a, a limited series of the character that everyone knows the least about does seem like mm. uh, the, the Hollywood way to go on. Oh, things. yeah. You know, I, I like the idea of a, you know, uh, you know, uh, my go to on this one is always Todd Haynes's version of Mildred Pierce that he did for HBO, where if mm. you if you read the book, he's like does every page of that novel is in that miniseries like it is the most it is the closest mm. adaptation of anything i've ever read in my life um and i think what's kind of cool about the color purple and one of the things that still infuriates the uh, certain critics who will go unmentioned now is the fact that that she uh, that walker is writing so deeply in a vernacular um, inspired by authors like you know gene tumor and uh, zora neale hurston so i think if there's a way to like now this has been, you know, Hollywood musical is about as big as you can go as thing. I'd yeah. love to see it pared down almost to where it like becomes, I mean, not like a campfire story, but like, and not exactly a one woman show, but like just something mm. that's smaller and then maybe really true to the voice of the book, true to the epistolary nature that they also kind of throw out in this version in terms of it being shaped by the letters, you know, uh, Seeley's letters to God, Nettie's letters to Seeley. Um, I don't know, but, you know, if there's, there's some way to just kind of really, I think, I think a, 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 a lo-fi color purple would be the next way to go. I love all of these ideas. Did you Ooh. and Iffy use the words bloviating and expilatory in one episode? <laughs> Epistolary. Oh, <wow>. Epistolary. <laughs> just flirting with me. <laughs> just blatant <laughs> flirting. Yeah, um, look, I do look. like that, Alonso. I yeah. love all of your ideas. Um, you know, I, and I don't care which one gets made. I would just like to throw out, um, it would be great for once for one of the iterations of this black woman's novel to be directed by a black woman. Yes. Here, here. Um, you know, I, I, one of mine bits of feedback from this moment of discourse we've seen right this movie even in your description earlier alonzo right talk about the importance of sisterhood black womanhood sisterhood um in this movie and you know both the original movie and this movie were directed by men here here yep, yep. let's get av rockwell from a thousand and one or mm -hmm. savannah leaf from earth mama Listen. raven jackson all dirt roads Listen. you know like i had an a... idea for suzanne to pass okay Deborah martin, yeah, yeah. Deborah martin chase you know let's let's get the Put girls the they're list. here you know i'm just there saying the, you know who also has directed fatima robinson fatima robinson fatima has also directed in addition to choreography I agree. Uh, here, here, just, Travel. Just, 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 just an idea. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> and if they went a full other non-acting way, 
Um, I am besotted with, I love graphic novels in general, but Ooh, Gina I also, Prince Bythewood. Oh yes. yeah. Gina would be amazing. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Um, the, put her on the list, put her on our development track. <laughs> Let's do this. We've got um, a binder. Okay. Yes. We have binders of women. I if you it. know anything about the show, it's, it could be gayer and we have binders of women. That's, those are our things. Yes. Um, Anyway, I would like a graphic novel, but I want the kind that I always had. My church growing up had like graphic, like they had graphic novels of like great expectations, like a lot of oh, classics earlier. illustrated. Classics <laughs> illustrated. Give me that color purple version. Thank you. Um, and all of these have to have the original sister. You've been on my mind, in you, <laughs> which I was thrilled to see pop up again here. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. okay, good. Well, we did it. We did it. So uh, I guess we continue it and we move on to our staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who would like to start? I can start. All Go right. for it. I'll start. I mean, Alonso and I always do like this double Dutch, like lean in, like, uh, uh, you, me. Um, okay, so mine is technically for the weekend after this weekend so basically sort of january 25th if you're listening to these in real time but i'm telling you now so that you can get on it which is uh sundance online because some of these do sell out some filmmakers set a capacity thing but if you are nowhere near park city and it is fine if you are not covid is surging and it is cold as shit right now mm. Um, but you can experience films from Sundance that people often feel shut out for. So if you go to the Sundance Festival website, you can search under availability for the online options and buy tickets. And then it'll tell you the window you can watch it. You can buy blindly just any of the award winners if you like, you know what? I have a good feeling about narrative competition or whatever. Um, but there are some that you can directly buy. Uh, I would recommend a lot of them. In that, I would include Didi Exhibiting Forgiveness and in the summers, as well as documentaries Frida, which is a premiere, or The Mother of All Lies, which is a fantastic doc uh, nominated for uh, Best Documentary at Spirit Awards this year. Um, anyway, uh, check it out, Sundance. But I, I, again, I say it a week early in case any of them do sell out. Now you can be ahead of the game and be like, oh, I saw that at Sundance. And be a jerk <laughs> like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to recommend Blitz Bazawule's previous film, The Burial of Kojo, um, which was on Netflix for a long time as part of uh, the uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, array uh, arrangement, I believe. But it's now currently on the Criterion channel. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, uh, a, a really powerful film about um, uh, a man who is literally trapped in a mine shaft um, and his daughter is out to free him and. Um, encounters a lot of magical realism, let us say. Um, and I have to admit, one of the uh, one of the many sort of kind of gaping absences in my uh, general, you know, kind of circles of film knowledge is I'm way behind on my African cinema. I need to see a lot more of it. Uh, what I have seen, I, I think, is really great, and I've, I've I've been lucky to to see some some exemplary films like. Um, uh, the, what's the the, uh, the Matty Diop movie? Why am I blanking? Not Atlantic. Atlantics. Thank you. I kept yeah. this, yes. Um, but anyway, uh, I did get a chance to see uh, Burial Kojo when it when it premiered, and and it's a film that stayed with me. And one of the things that made me excited about seeing the color purple was hearing that he was going to be directing. So check that one out. It's on Criterion. Mm -hmm. 
Is it my go? It's yeah. your go. Okay, so my recommendation, um, I'm going to do a throwback as well um, on the topic of queer musicals or perhaps queer movies with music. Um, and I'm going to suggest <laughs> the 2003 cult classic Camp yes. um, for your queer musical viewing vibes, um, which is it's just a classic movie. It's about a group of kids Gay kid, not they're not all queer, but you know it's Most. theater camp. Okay, so come on now. They're and they queer get together. Yeah. They're doing Sondheim, and they're auditioning for the the summer camp plays. It's just riveting fun. A non traditional dream girls don't forget. A non that is one way to describe <laughs> that um, show. Yes, mm. but it's so good. Okay, check yes. it out. Oh, yes. Indeed. Currently streaming on Plex and Pluto TV free with ads. What are those? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am my pick. Uh, speaking of gay kids, my pick is Port Authority. Uh, oh. That was, I, you know, you, for, you know, you know me. Uh, if I'm watching, you know, a, a Scorsese produced movie, it's of my own volition. Uh, and, it's, ah. and it's because it's something I definitely chose to do by myself and not because I'm doing something for it. I, I suck. I was the one who seeked out uh, Danielle Lesovitz's 2021 uh, amazingly, uh, uh, I'd say tender, and it, and it, and it, uh, you know, I love all the characters within this film, Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Lena Bloom, that's, that's it, that's the, that's the review, thank you. And it's on Prime. Solid choice. Solid choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on Prime. Uh, and, and and Plexi and Pluto are streaming uh, platforms. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Plex and Pluto TV. Those are streaming platforms. Oh, I've heard of Pluto. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. It's owned by Viacom, I think. Oh, oh yeah. They, they look. They, they own everything. With new ones. Yeah. They, mm. they hide in, in plain sight. But I do want to thank Trayvill Anderson. What's yeah, the yeah. latest you've got going on and uh, that people need to know about that you want to plug? Um, you know, I'm all out here just doing stuff. I did drop two books last year, okay? One's called Ooh. We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. It's fabulous, yes. if I do say so myself. Seconded. And. Thank you. And Jared and I from Fanti also, well, used to be on the network. We wrapped that up at the end of the year. Thank you. Um, But we also wrote historically black phrases from I Ain't One of Your Little Friends to Who All Gonna Be There, Support Mm. Black Creators This Black History Month. Um, And we are actually, we took that book, we turned it into a live game show, and we are touring that game show throughout Black History Month in D.C., Atlanta, New York, and here in Los Angeles. so, you know, if y'all want to come have some fun and talk about like Boo Boo the Fool and the rest of, you know, these wonderful things that we love as black folks and folks who love black folks, check us out. Historicallyblackphrases.com. Okay. It is possible. Alonzo already bought tickets for that and told the rest of us. And then I also then bought a ticket. Mm -hmm. We cannot wait to see you. Alonzo was all over that. It's going to be so much fun. Ooh. All right, Dan. Okay. And thank you to Dre and Alonzo for another wonderful show. 
And I look forward to sitting in a show with you. And if you have a question, listener, about this week's show, send us an email at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org or leave us a message at MaximumFun.org slash hotline or find us on any of our social media channels. All of those links are in the show notes. Next week, we're going to keep the music playing because we're going to be talking about that new Mean Girls we brought up. Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is also wonderful. Her name is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.